theoretically possible. Why waste time? But it doesn't make any sense. Discovery Houston, press to ATO. Welcome back, friends. How's everyone doing? How's my love doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. How are you doing, hon? I'm doing fantastic, and I'm excited to talk about the topic today because it's definitely something that you and I speak about quite often. Right. I think it's kind of, well, let's just say it. It's very broad. It is basically feeling as though you're consistently late to the party. Yeah. Like we're talking about in terms of industry, talking about in terms of business, investments, investments, you know, I feel like, you know, probably if you're listening to this, you've, you've felt this at some point, right? I mean, in terms yeah. of, you know, they always say you really can't time the market, which is absolutely true. I yeah. mean, you really can't. You're and never so, going to buy it at the lowest point and you're never going to sell it at the highest point. Exactly. So you just kind of have to know, you know, you have to really kind of check your gut, do your research and all that stuff. But you know, we really have been talking about that certainly um, for a while in terms of investments like stocks and whatnot. But yeah. we've also recently been, I mean, this has been something we've actually been talking about ever since we were in and started life out of the box. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think anytime you're involved in sort of, you know, entrepreneurial activities and ventures or you're trying to create something of your own, yeah. you look out to the space and you know that someone has already been there and done that, right? right? Um, but it's even it goes even beyond that. I mean, it definitely feels like, you know, since we've been really focusing on this blockchain cryptocurrency space, mm-hmm. it feels like, dang, man, we know we've heard about it for a long time. Yeah. You know, we hear now that, you know, we've really kind of engaged with a lot of people who are in this space too. You know, so people who have been in it for so long. And yeah. Like, how did you do that? That was such high. And if you think about it, like, think about 2012. What yeah. was Bitcoin and what was all this world like? It was so early, early yeah. days, you know? Well, in, all, in all honesty, I feel like we're late to this party. The price of Bitcoin has gone between 30 to up to, I've seen, we've seen it at $60,000 for a single Bitcoin. And people were in this game when it was $10. I heard an interview recently, and the guy said that he thought he was late to the game when it was $10 yeah. a Bitcoin. Isn't that a crazy concept? It is. Well, it, that's like really what got us thinking. And the more we talk to people, the more this is very much true. Is like there's always kind of this feeling, especially I think when you're on the frontier, on the edge of something very new and innovative. Mm. And there's a lot of unknown with that, right? We don't yeah. know how it's going to evolve. It's very much akin to, I think, the early days of the internet of like, whoa, this is really interesting. We can connect the computers across, you know, (laughs) a line and they can be in various different places. And communication, yeah. Yeah, and and I think that it's important to just kind of remind yourself that, especially if you're feeling like, I don't know, I wouldn't say FOMO, but I would say more like, man, if only I had done this two years ago. With anything. With anything, right? I mean, and, and the truth is, is like, you can't think that way. No. You really I, can't. I, I always think about the electric car industry yeah. and how much that has evolved so much recently where you just go back eight years ago, we were looking at Tesla and there were a few other small, honestly, small businesses in, in the car world aren't really that small, but right. they weren't big boys entering the electric car game. Or girls. Yeah, big boys or big girls. <laughs> and now we're looking at GM. Now we're looking at um, massive amounts of fleets of cars coming from Mercedes, from Audi. And a lot of people were like, dude, y'all are so late to this game. Yeah. Tesla already owns the market. 
they now have what four or five models available that you can buy and here comes gm and they made their announcement this year at the freaking super bowl starting with the hummer the electric hummer what a radical idea and are they late to the game or is it possible that maybe they're still early in it you know what i i it's a great question and i feel like the irony of the hummer becoming electric is like not lost upon anyone right (laughs) it's very interesting because really if you think about it and we've studied this too we've we've really i mean this is very much hugely this is hugely a part of our master's program and definitely also in our phd research in terms of cycles of innovation Mm -hmm. right and there's always early adopter phase which is like yeah really early days but when does that line cut off from early adopters to mass adopters um you know, it, there, and there's actually a little bit in between. So I think what right. what's going on is Tesla was very much, I mean, that was like the catalyst for change. It was, it was a totally, it was very disruptive to the whole ecosystem of cars, right? Based on what technology could actually do, right? Yeah. Here's what we could do. And we'll get, we're going to pair this innovation with really great, sleek, minimalist design that is going to make a, an attractive car. It's going to be a little bit um, higher price, but eventually we're going to make it, you know, accessible for everyone. Yeah. But as um, far as usability goes, the numbers always spoke very, very clearly to the audience that electric is far superior from a performance standpoint than combustion. It was, Yeah, absolutely. I think that the number one, you know, hesitation, and this is definitely, this was proven out in a couple of research papers that I wrote, um, basically the biggest um, fear with electric cars that really the main one was fear of range like range anxiety yeah. so like and that w- still goes on a little bit it does a little bit but i think that you know this was a couple of years ago when i wrote that too and and did did the experiment i think that the infrastructure of charging electric cars was definitely still being built out and it still is today so it's right. there's still a long ways to go in terms of you know even like beyond, just beyond early adoption and so i think like gm and ford and all of these other you know automotive manufacturers who are leaning into electric mm-hmm. what their role is not to bring on early adopters necessarily but it'll be to allow everyone to um be able to buy an electric car that is the type of car that they like like the hummer mm-hmm. or the f-150 for yeah. example right the ford f-150 is the um number one highest selling uh, vehicle in the United States. Right. So that's a really big game changer to that's be able to, to like for, for Ford to be able to really use their influence, their technology, their, you know, money and power in that industry mm-hmm. to force this change upon customers who love the truck, but it don't want to give up the truck for yeah. a little tiny car. Right. That's what they're working on. And so it will basically be, there will be a point, you know, where I think, People will say, well, gas prices are X, right? right. Electric cars, they'll, they'll do the whole cost-benefit analysis. And yeah. I think, you know, that's really... But you needed we needed Tesla to kind of do the proof of concept. And that was high risk, right? That, right? There were times where they didn't think that they were actually going to make it. And people, you know, questioned their ability. They, they had a really hard time manufacturing. That was something that is probably the most difficult thing for new startups in the car world, right? Yeah. In terms of like mass manufacturing. Definitely. That Ford already has. Obviously, they've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. A huge amount of investment required to build, create a car company that's going to mass produce vehicles for yeah. the, you know, for the public, not just just a few every every year. This that was that was a game changer when it comes to the chicken and the egg. I think we can state proud and loud that the egg was Elon Musk with Tesla. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he took it on the project. There were two other guys who started the 
project of the Tesla Roadster, but it wasn't until Elon Musk came in and said, hey, let's mm-hmm. let's do this, right? And so I, I think that what's interesting is for you for in order for people to be early adopters like a you have to have some sort of interest right. in it right but then b you also have to take into account that this is pretty high risk i mean thinking about even like netflix right yeah. when netflix was first around they were mailing out discs right to everyone and then they mm-hmm. went to streaming and that big change was like a lot of people were like this is never going to work well look at it now it's all it's yeah. always 2020 hindsight right so yeah and 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 when you're reflecting on it, it always seems like it maybe wasn't that big of a risk. Yeah. You know, from now, like, you're like, okay, well, he basically was able to provide a blockbuster direct to everyone's home yeah. from single distribution points. And it doesn't sound that crazy. I mean, compared to the idea of having to open up all these physical stores all over the yeah. place. But the truth is, at that time, that was so risky. Like, what do you think the number one fear was? Probably oh, well, people are just going to steal them or what if people scratch them? Yeah, or they don't return them or, yeah. you know, it's, it's yeah, I think it's difficult when you're looking back to remember the context in which we were all at, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, right now we see Netflix and we know what Netflix is, you know, in terms of its power and, and really great, providing really great content and allowing people to just stream really good content yeah. online and on their TVs. So, um but yeah, I think that even, you know, in this world of, of blockchain and whatnot, this has been something that has kind of opened our eyes where it's like everyone, it's still very high risk, mm-hmm. right? Even thinking about when it was $10, that was really high risk. Yeah, I don't know. It's so weird. Once again, looking back on it, it, yeah. so, it seems like it wasn't that bad of a risk, but, but yeah. go ahead. But I was just going to say, but it also, you know, it's very dependent on, yeah, like the timing of one's life too, right? Like mm-hmm. if you were deep in the weeds, like into a PhD program, or if you were having a kid or you were, you know, trying to really focus on your career and move up, like whatever it was at the time mm-hmm. that took your attention away from Bitcoin or yeah. whatever it is that you're like, oh man, I wish I would have. That's a reason why, yeah. you know, that a lot of people don't become early adopters is because it's like, well, you know, early on, similar to Tesla and definitely with Bitcoin, it was, it's difficult to get, right? right. It was like the, the Tesla waiting list was crazy for the Model right. S, right? And it was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to have to wait because I really believe in it, right? right? But they were everyone had their fingers crossed that they would actually get their car. Mm-hmm. And so there's almost kind of like, you know, that it's you, it's almost expected that you have to take that risk, yeah. I feel, in a lot of circumstances. Well, to go back to the Bitcoin being $10 and it could be a significant risk, I think it's actually a little bit deeper than that. Beyond the price is what I'm saying. Yeah. I believe that if you saw Bitcoin at $10, maybe you felt as though you were late to the party because of the requirements to be able to mine for Bitcoin at that point. Right. Required, you know, you couldn't use your normal computer. You had to actually invest into brand new computers straight out of China to be able to compete to earn a Bitcoin. Yeah. And in that sense, I understand how one could argue I feel late to the party. Right. But man, is it crazy to think something that you could have bought for $10 was recently sold at 60,000, even at 30,000. It's like crazy. It really is. Yeah. I mean, and this is where we're seeing like a massive shift in wealth distribution, right? Where it's like, okay, people who were early adopters, maybe they were kind of nerdy. Maybe they had like a lot more time. And actually that's not true. That's a stereotype that they were nerdy. I think that it's just about a curiosity, right? It's about like, okay, what is this? I really do believe in it. Obviously we don't, we do need an internet money, right? Mm. Internet currency of some sort that is 
you know, native to digital, the digital world. The I metaverse. think it's an inevitable thing for sure. But then, you know, even when Ethereum came along, that was another, you know, phase game two, game changing, yeah. you know, with smart contracts and whatnot. And so now we're in this, you know, relatively new world of NFTs. And I think a lot more people, it's caught their attention again. We're in this kind of like a bull run yeah. right now It'll with, with cryptocurrency. How it, how it develops because there's yeah. still so much unknown. Like what will the platforms be? What will the native currency for non-fungible tokens be that that could evolve and it's very exciting but it definitely requires you to pay very close attention to it yeah. if you want to play in that world yeah and yeah that, and i think that's one of the things too is like not everyone has the time to really invest into learning to the extent that it actually requires to really mm-hmm. feel like okay you're a part of this you feel like you're really on the early kind of cutting edge, right? Yeah. It's almost like it's coming to a point where there's a trade-off. Like, yeah, you can kind of like dabble here and there, but you know that you're not going to be the first to the game on right. pretty much anything unless right. you really immerse yourself into this space. So I do want to bring it back to the electric car game and looking at how GM and Ford are introducing electric trucks, which is something that Tesla has yet to bring to market. They've showed a prototype, Cybertruck, they've probably made a few of them, but they haven't uh, distributed all those orders yet. Not even, from what I'm understanding, not not even close yet. What about the idea of Ford and GM, though they may feel as though they're late to the party of electric vehicles, it could be argued that they could be early to the party for trucks. That's a really good point. You know, and I think you know, that that's like the micro aspects of them to figure out who's early to the like you know, the parties are there, there's parties as in plural. There's a lot of them. And the encapsulating idea of electric vehicles is one. But let's break down who's who's doing electric motorcycles. You know, like there's so many different things that could be broken down that you could still be early in. That's a really good point. It's it I love that you said that because I I feel like that's really important to emphasize that even though, you know, something came around like Tesla in the, in the automotive industry Mm -hmm. and well, even before Tesla, there was a Prius, the hybrid, right? And then you've got the, uh, then you got Tesla, which was like fully electric. Yeah. We even had the Chevy Volt, which was a plug-in hybrid electric. Exactly. But even though, um, you know, one company or an individual might break the mold in terms of disrupting the market first mm-hmm. and actually succeeding. That doesn't mean that others can't enter. I think yeah. that's like a really important thing because once the disruption happens, that doesn't mean um, less creativity. That actually right. opens a lot of companies' eyes and, uh, and entrepreneurs' eyes of like, whoa, the thing, the, the, the industry that we thought, you know, was going to stay the way that it was just right. got disrupted. And now all of a sudden that that encourages and fosters real creative entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and, and innovation. And that's where I think Ford and GM are definitely, yeah, there's segments in the market. It's not just like Tesla runs, you know, owns the whole electric vehicle market, right. you know, and then there's also going to be, you know, the luxury car brands that are going to come in that are coming out with different concept cars, you know, from Mercedes Benz to Audi. And yeah, there's some real luxury vehicles entering that are looking really clean. Yeah, exactly. But you know, it's, it's interesting because there are still a lot of companies are still kind of a ways off. I think that it's actually really cool that GM and Ford are saying, Hey, this is what we're focusing on. And Mm -hmm. I think focus in a disrupted market is actually really important, right? They're not like Mm -hmm. trying to really compete with the model S right now. They're really trying to differentiate themselves in terms of what they can provide. Absolutely. In, in the electric vehicle. I think it's really smart. I mean, Ford, 
like you said, the F-150 is the number one vehicle in the United States of America. They originally had an F-150 called the Lightning, which was like a super fast version of their Ford F-150. And they're basically bringing back the F-150 Lightning, but it's an electric. Yeah. So they're using the same name and it makes a lot of sense. And it is going to be a super fast truck because it's electric. It's going to have so much more power. I'm excited for that one. I am too. And you know, the other realm, and I know Tesla's already in the space, is SUVs. You know, I mm-hmm. think like there's there's the, you know, sedan, you know, coupe, you know, convertible and stuff like that, the smaller cars. And then you've got the SUV and mm-hmm. then you've got the um, trucks, right? Right. And each of them really appeal to di- various different markets Definitely. throughout the United States and in the world. And so, but the SUV is something that Tesla was like, okay, we got to get right on this because this is the car that most yeah. Americans really want is an SUV, right? Technically, they have two now. Very different. Very, very, different. very different. The Model Y, which is like very cheap, very kind of standard. It's right. almost like a car converted into an SUV. And then they got the Model X, which is phenomenal. One of their best models with the gold wings that come up. And the gold oh, doors, man, yeah. It's just very impressive. But there's still, we haven't seen the Ford Expedition version the one with three like lots of space but at the same time like is it necessary i'm just so excited to watch this industry evolve no me too and and what's interesting is i we also talk a lot about like apple and their strategy you know apple for a lot of years and kind of like the earlier days especially prior i mean the ipod and then the iphone those Mm -hmm. came out and it was whoa game changers right huge innovators that changed and disrupted the the tech game, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but now their approach is very much, let's not necessarily, we don't necessarily always have to be the first to market. Mm-hmm. Let's just kind of like see how this pans out. Let other yeah. people make the mistakes, fail, see what works, see what doesn't work, and then apply our, you know, with our huge amount of capital apply yeah. and, and brain trust, you know, and, and innovation and ability to really create something beautiful that a lot of people trust. I mean, right. Apple's become a brand of trust. So I think like they've become more conservative in terms of their innovations mm-hmm. overall, but they, we call it like, you know, the Apple approach where you're just kind of, kind of hanging back right now right. and then coming out with something that dominates the market eventually. Right. But I, and I, I, I bring that up only because, you know, a lot of luxury brands in the car world are coming out, with new SUVs that aren't electric. And I'm mm-hmm. like, whoa, you're just now coming out with an SUV design, you know? I mean, <laughs> and I know that these these companies are very different from most others, but I mean, it's like Rolls-Royce, Lamborghini, um, you know, Bentley, and I think Bugatti too. Yeah. There, there's just a bunch of different SUVs coming out and you're just like, okay, well, that's cool, but what about an electric SUV? And it almost seems like yeah. that's kind of where they're headed towards. It's like, okay, we needed to have an SUV style Right. In order to convert these they gotta to go electric. electric. It, I mean, yeah. We, we've seen so many new cars come out. They look amazing from a design standpoint. They have a lot of power. Very, very exciting. But I have to say, every time I see one that's combustion, I'm like, that's old tech. Yeah. I, I honestly feel that. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this is either a stepping stone in the right direction or you're going in the complete wrong direction of what the market wants and where the market's going. Right. Like what, like long-term really, I mean, this might, someone who's, you know, older and wealthy who doesn't like the idea of electric cars, maybe that's who they're catering (sighs) to. But really, if you think about the longevity (laughs) of a brand and why people, even when they get their money, you know, what, what they're going to spend it on, you know, I think that a lot of this younger generation who are definitely going to be the ones with, you know, more of the, um, you know, money, power mm-hmm. to be able to pick and choose the companies that 
win in mm-hmm. a, an ideally free market, right? Yeah. Um, even though the government, a lot of governments around the world are actually kind of uh, pushing towards electric just based on policies yeah. and whatnot, which is a good thing it's because a- we need to figure out this whole thing with climate change, yeah. right? I don't want to be underwater right now. I know, I don't either. So, you know, in order for that to happen, you at least have to start giving customers options to be mm-hmm. able to buy things that aren't going to contribute to the carbon footprint as much as you know a combustion engine car so i i'm i'm totally with you and i think yeah you know in terms of just there's so many different things that anyone can get interested and pulled into the world and if especially if you're leaning into to the future right mm-hmm. like what's it going to be in five years ten years no one has a crystal ball right but i think that it's just important to emphasize you know regardless of when you come in if it's you know, not mass adopted and you talk to, you know, your family or friends or whatever. And they're like, yeah, kind of, kind of have heard about it. Kind of not right. You know, you're still early days. Like we've, we've heard a lot of people just explain who have been in the blockchain space for a while. Like, dude, we're still very early days. Just everyone, you know, calm down. I I think that because what happens in a lot of these cycles is, uh, well, we, we've realized that these cycles occur over and over again, right? Right. There are cycles of innovation and adoption. And I think that it makes sense. Right. Yeah. I th- especially um, in terms of something that is just now recently getting adopted by institutions. Like yeah. electric vehicles are now officially adopted by big institutions with a lot of um, money and power to influence the direction of the industry, yeah. right? And what's interesting about blockchain to me is that there's not, it doesn't really, like it's not as um, dependent on institutional you know, adoption, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does help for some people. Or it's like, oh, okay, well, if... if Ray Dalio is interested in Bitcoin, then, you know, he owns the number one hedge fund in the world. So yeah. maybe that's, there's something to it, even though for the last 10 years, I've said this is stupid, you know? Right. And so, you know, but the, the truth is, is it's very decentralized and it's about who wants to get in, you know, into this for the right reasons. It's not about, I just want to make a quick buck, right? Right. If you're really into whatever industry this is, and I, and I think that's definitely, that could definitely apply to the electric vehicle industry too. Right. Anyone mm-hmm. who comes in with, just to make a quick buck. Yeah, for sure. Not going to stick around. Yeah, I mean, look at the electric car industry right now. You go on the freeway, how rare is it to see an electric car? Now, if you're in California and Silicon Valley, you might see a lot of electric cars. You've actually done a bit of counting on that. True. And that surprised us both. But here in Florida, the majority for sure are combustion vehicles. So I would argue you're still in the early phase where you're not late to the party by bringing more electric vehicles to the road. Now, if you're bringing a combustion vehicle to the road, could you say that you're late to that party? Oh, I would say so. Like, that, what is the innovation? Like, what that's other? What, I'm saying. what new tech are you bringing? Like, we got GPS. We've got like, <laughs> I mean, maybe um, the one innovation I think is definitely going to happen in the future is like some device that allows insurance to see how you actually drive, right? Yeah. And that's going to not be very fun for a lot of people, but that can go into any car at any point, right? Right. Yeah. But I just think whatever technology you're you're trying to implement within a combustion car still doesn't make up for the fact that you're not electric yet. Like, mm-hmm. it's like you can add on technology once you've done the baseline work of like yeah. what, like a battery powered car yeah, is that's actually, the baseline work. yeah, like that's really not that difficult, you know, well, to, I wouldn't say it in that well, format. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of other companies who are already doing it. Yeah. And if you've been in the space for over a hundred years, what are you doing if you're not adapting at yeah. this point right you're, were, are you holding out really there were electric cars over 100 years ago maybe yeah. 110 120 years ago there were electric cars exactly but they've evolved a lot and one thing that helped uh, enable more participants to enter the market was elon musk gave his patents away like That's made huge. them public and so 
yeah, in that sense, it could be considered less of a barrier to entry in the electric car market, especially if you have all the financial resources from all the sales you've made of combustion cars over the last 100 years. But it is a big shift, and it is kind of like, whoa. It, it, my question to you is, is it adapt or die at this point? Yeah, I, I personally kind of think it is. I know this is a crazy, it's, it's, it's a brave statement yeah. to be, to answer, but I think that, um, it's important for us to be honest it and is. I appreciate you being honest. <laughs> well, I do. I think it's a great question, but I do think that there are a few things that still need to occur for real mass adoption to happen. I mean, we're not going to pull ourselves away from our dependency on oil forever. That's not what electric cars necessarily are doing. I mean, oil is used in plastics and like a whole bunch of other stuff to like run our electric grid and stuff. Yeah, so it's like, that's not, I mean, yeah, that's it's, definitely it's, part of it, but it's a portion, it's a portion of maybe it. Maybe even a small portion. Of it that. is, but it, we need the infrastructure of plugins also like mm-hmm. parking lots need to have plugins, you know, all over the, the country and all over the world yeah. in, in random areas too. You know, like when you're going yeah. on a road trip across the U S like how many places, especially like if you're driving through Texas, it's just like, long stretches and then a gas station yeah. and then another long stretch and then another gas station you're going to need the infrastructure to, for people to be able to plug in so that they don't feel like they're going to run out and be stuck in the middle of nowhere yeah and those plugins also need to innovate substantially as well yes because you know it's, it's been getting faster and faster uh, most recently i heard you can get 100 miles for a 20 minute charge which is pretty amazing but we're gonna have to get much faster than that if we're trying to make it so that we're seeing majority of vehicles on the road being electric versus combustion. Exactly. Because like I said, I still think that the number one issue is range anxiety. Just yep. like, are, are there enough places for me to plug in? And of course, if you plug in you know, into your home every day, it's no big deal. But if you're actually going on a trip somewhere um, and it's a long distance, that's something that you want to make sure that you, know, you don't get stuck somewhere. But I, I definitely think that for... Um, mass adoption to occur it really is going to require i mean it's already it's already happening in front of our eyes and so it's like five years from now people who have the have the tesla and had to wait for um you know 20 minutes to get a a battery charge you're going to be like wow yeah i remember back in the day i had Mm -hmm. to wait for 20 minutes and it's only like a two minute zip right and it's because there's a lot of money a lot of research and it's not just recently happened it's been happening over about a decade now and like you said Electric vehicles are nothing new. This has been going on for over 100 years. Like, yeah. And it just, you know, for various different reasons, didn't end up becoming the adopted technology right. that we ended up using the combustion engine instead of the electric. But now things are changing. Yeah. And I do think that it's important that, you know, consumers um, kind of push what they want as well. You yeah. know, it's it, chicken and the egg kind of a thing. Right. Too, and so. I would say that in the electric car world, you're not the you're not necessarily early to the party if you're bringing an electric car, like a standard car, because Elon's been doing that for quite some time now. But you know how we broke it up into niche markets like the uh, trucks and motorcycles, for example? There's also this idea of you can be really early to the idea of bring a solar panel vehicle to the road. There's that uh, competition global competition that occurs in Australia mm-hmm. where they got to drive, I think it's like a long distance, like a thousand miles or something in a, a fully solar based vehicle. And man, those things look like they would be really uncomfortable to have to go across, um, uh, across the country in, but that technology, if it gets better and better, 
why do you even need the plug-in stations? Now, yeah. now we're getting to the point where I'm wondering, could you be too early to the party? You could. I think, though, I mean, I under, I've also, part of my master's program, I was working on a, like a solar panel type of technology that was being developed at OSU. It was like paint, wasn't it? Was it was like paint, yeah, but the efficiency of, of, you know, getting the energy wasn't there yet. And yeah, I feel like that's... that's the problem still today. It's still today with the silicon, you know, uh, solar panels. It's mm-hmm. really... Um, the, in a, the Innovation still needs to progress in order for it to be efficient and cost effective. Yeah. For it to actually be applied to anything. But that's still early days. But it's great that Too people early? are... Too uh, early? Yeah, I think that's why no one's really done it it's yet. It's interesting. Well, I think that... that we may have to have a whole another episode on being too early to the party. Yeah, that's because, a good point. Because is it possible that we see hydrogen vehicles becoming something on, you know, on the roads? Maybe there's a few out there, but is it is it going to definitely be electric, or is is there still competition for a whole new way of, you know, uh, moving a vehicle? <laughs> yeah, I know it is going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out, but. Um, I think, you know, in terms of if you are leaning into the future like we are with, mm-hmm. you know, whatever your investments are, your business, your interests, your hobbies, whatever it is, whatever it is, you know, and you're an early adopter or, and you're feeling like, oh, yeah, I might be early adopter. Or so people say or like, I, I feel, feel like, like I'm, I'm late, late to the, the game. Yeah. I mean, just remember that, you know, a disrupted industry takes a lot of time to evolve. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of space there. And exactly. just keep on leaning into that because it will evolve and it will change and you know these spaces um it's very exciting so hopefully innovating towards a better future for everyone is kind of the idea so So lean in guys lean in and so thanks so much for listening today we look forward to speaking with you all tomorrow we'll talk to you then Bye. bye